Hello, Disney's Follies fans. Hello there. This is Justine. This is Ryan. And we are discussing Sleeping Beauty today. Yes, Sleeping Beauty. Welcome to a very special episode because this movie, we didn't know what to think going into it. No. And we're very surprised coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah, a very special treat for most Disney fans. And I think that you know this if you're a super Disney fan. Well, Sleeping Beauty has the reputation of being, quote unquote, a well, at least Princess Aurora, of being a boring princess. I would say, yeah, the word boring gets applied to it as much as almost Fantasia does, but this movie gets forgotten more because it's not special like Fantasia. Which is weird because, and we'll talk about when we get to the parks, but it's very prevalent in a lot of parks. Yes, it has a big stamp, (laughs) but it's a movie that when you think about movies you watch as kids, especially princess movies, I feel like you don't remember the characters as well or what happened. It wasn't particularly memorable. No, I did have one friend in particular growing up where like this was her favorite and I always Mm. was kind of like, why? But now that I've seen it, I totally get it. Totally get it. She was ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. I get it. Oh, there's all kinds of great stuff with this movie we discovered, but I think part of the reason of the stigma is the fact that, as the title indicates, she's asleep for Mm -hmm. at least a key part of the movie. I think her and Dumbo are both in their movie very little, and she's in the movie for, like, what, under 18 minutes? She is, and what I didn't realize re-watching the movie is how well they pace it and order it, but hey, you know, a dark horse among princess movies. And a couple key facts, this was the last princess movie for 30 years. Yeah, until Little Disney Mermaid. Studios. Yeah, they abandoned the very definitive fairy tale tack for a while. Yeah. This movie budgeted at $6 million, uh, 1959 money. <laughs> Uh, grossed $0.7 million less than that at mm. the time. By now, after all the reissues, is the second highest grossing movie of 1959 after Ben-Hur, which also is forbiddingly boring, and I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Yeah, exactly. But Good also, you, like, Charlton. a big, like, cinematic thing, because, well, I mean, in Ben-Hur, there's actually people who are trampled to death in certain scenes. Oh, that's like, true, Actual yes. extras. Vividly. So trying something new mm-hmm. for its time or whatever. It and is the second uh, widescreen special, oh, like, after, yeah, the after Lady and the uh, Tramp. They were like, all right, let's really take it. It was meant to be a blockbuster. Yeah. What I found reading this, Justine, it was really interesting trying to figure out Walt's mentality behind how he was wanting this movie to be. You know, Walt, when Snow White comes out, Cinderella comes out, they're both big blockbusters, iconic movies. And you have the sense that Walt's brain work is behind that. He's planned this. This movie didn't do what they expected it to do. No. And that feeds into its reputation today. Well, I wonder, I'm trying to find out, like, this was in production for a while. So it came out in 1959. Four years after Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, so the last movie we did was Lady and the Tramp mere weeks before Disneyland itself opened. For a opened. while, there's been a Disney movie every year. An animated movie every year. Mm-hmm. You know, not even, well, like, and, yeah. And for those Disneyland historians, you know that Disneyland opened in 1955 mm-hmm. with Sleeping Beauty's Castle. So that means Walt knowingly opened this park for a movie that was still four years away from production. Story work began in 51. Voice were recorded in 52. Animation took place between 53 to 58 because I'm assuming Walt wanted to have a heavy hand in it because mm-hmm. he was basing his park castle weenie, visual weenie off of this movie. Mm-hmm. And that you know, later it was finally, like, sound was recorded in 57 and finally released in 59. Yeah. So like, they were working on this. Like, I know we say like, oh, ideas were in the like, Lady the 
camp. Like, that was an idea after Snow White. Mm-hmm. But, like, this was almost a consistent basis yeah. of them working on it. They worked we, on this a long time. But Sleeping Beauty, I read this, actually missed its intended release date two Christmases in a row. It was originally supposed to come out in Christmas 57, which is wow. still, if you think about it, Lady and the Tramp came out in summer 55, a long time after the last Disney movie. Yeah, but a reasonable amount for an animated movie. Right, especially one that they're obviously thinking about it in terms of, because, I mean, the last princess movie being Cinderella, sure. Cinderella being the first princess movie in many years, obviously, you see now that Disney has this idea of the princess movies well, being Well, he important. doesn't, but they do. So right. I wonder if Walt would have stayed alive a little bit longer if they would have done another princess movie They sooner. might, they may have. I think it's, it's fair to say. Because, like, that's something that Walt seemed to be mm-hmm. really passionate about. If you go back to Snow White, if you go back to Cinderella, Walt's hand is heavy in all of these. Mm-hmm. I think even more so than Lady and the Tramp. I think Lady and the Tramp, he would just, he gave the idea and he just let the animators play and work with it. Let's do it widescreen. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. But other than that, I think that Disney really, in the later movies, had the heavier hand in the princess one. Mm-hmm. So it would have been interesting yeah. if he would have lived to see, like, what other princess movies, princess movies might have come out and how the approach would be. Yeah. Especially because Little Mermaid, when you finally get to it 30 years later, is song and dance and a lot of comedy. For a guy that's very popular doing anthropomorphic animals, uh, Walt really does seem to have an affinity for these young women in royalty situations mm-hmm. that are struggling to, like, you know, against an evil. It, it actually is a very specific motif now that I think about it. Yeah. And not having read all the grim fairy tales or anything mm-hmm. like that, I'm not sure how many grim fairy tales are princess ones, but we no. certainly think of Grimm almost through Disney these days well, because of all the ones that got dramatized. And I believe that Grimm did do a version of this as well, mm. but the original version of Sleeping Beauty is very, very uh, Grimm. PG-13 <laughs> detailed. Charles so, like, Perrault, our, our man behind Cinderella and mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty, and these are his two famous princesses, this late 17th century <clears throat> French mm-hmm. author. And yeah, the original version of Sleeping Beauty is bananas. Okay, so basically her name is Briar Rose. I remember it all. I don't remember how she happens upon the spindle, but basically it's a lot darker. There's a king and queen who wanted to have children, and they tried for a really long time and they couldn't. And finally, the queen's wishes were fulfilled and she gave birth to a daughter. The christening fairies were found and there were seven in all, and they invited them to be godmothers to this little princess. This was to give gifts on which to bestow her. So, like, in the movie they do this as well, but there's only three good fairies. When it was over, there was a banquet held in her honor. She's tricked in the same way of, like, pricking herself with a splinter underneath something. And so she gets a splinter underneath her nails, falls into a deep sleep. She's in this cottage in the woods. This king rides up on this cottage, sees her, thinks, oh my god, she's so beautiful. You know, and he said, she said, he made love to her. She would probably say he raped her because she was asleep. Yeah. He leaves because whatever. Deed is done. However, boom, nine months later, she's still sleeping and gives birth to twins. So she was dormant her whole pregnancy and then gave birth to twins. Luckily, there were some fairies nearby who helped her with the birthing process but still did not wake her up and they place her at her bosom so that they can be fed. And then I guess one of them accidentally gets a hold of her finger and suckles on her finger and gets the splinter out. And that's how she wakes up. So she is whatever age she is, sticks herself, gets a splinter, and then wakes up with two babies. Yeah. Not a situation you ever want to find yourself in. No. And then I guess the prince actually does care a little bit about her, even Mm. though he technically raped her. You need to tell the jury what he did to you. What I let him do to me. None of this 
is on you. And he goes back and he's just like, oh, he's so happy with, with the twins and yada, yada. He loves her. But, you know, of course, he's married. Oh, no, he didn't. So he goes back to the queen. The queen can tell something is up. She writes a letter to Briar Rose, which is Snow White or Sleeping Beauty in this story, saying like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Please bring your children. I want to see them. So she sends her children and then she tells the cook, I want him to eat his children. Oh! Rough. And the cook yeah. is like, I can't. I, uh, I'm not cool with this, so I'm just going to kill some lambs instead, and you guys are just going to have lamb. And so while the king is eating, the queen is, like, making all these weird remarks, like, mm, isn't this delicious, or Jeez. whatever. Very maniacal. And then she writes another letter getting, like, Briar Rose to come up there. When she finally does, the king finds out what's happening. Like, the queen is making her, like, strip. <laughs> And mm, humiliate herself. And the king is like, what the f*** is going on? Mm. And then the queen is like, ha ha, you ate your children. And so the king is ready to, like, kill the queen, kill the cook, kill, like, the letter carrier mm, or secretary or whoever. But then the cook was like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Like, I didn't, your children are over here. They're safe, dude. Like, I saved mm -hmm. them. I gave you lamb instead. So, fridge. no. Well, they're, they're safe. Walking. Yeah, exactly. Well, sure. Oh, With a blanket. Two blankets. So, <laughs> so uh, he gives the, king, uh, the cook, uh, like, you know, some money. And like he's pretty much set for life, and then mm. the queen gets burnt at the stake. Ooh, yeah. And then he stays with Sleeping Beauty. So a little bit different than the Disney yeah. one. It's dark. In a sense, everything works out, but it just made me think of imagine these writers' rooms were like, okay, how are we gonna change these fairy tales from effed up mm -hmm. to you know completely not because right. it's Disney? I guess the adaptation really did kind of stray far away from the source material. Thank God. Although we didn't read the Grimm synopsis, so for all we know, they did a lot. No, of No, I think work the Grimm's one is a lot tamer. The Grimm one doesn't have rape. In not it. that they're any stranger to although like jarring violence. In sure, which is tale. surprising. Which, mm -hmm. but so Sleeping Beauty, yeah, and. So it, not only that, but like <laughs> like take away all that you just heard, especially if you didn't know that Sleeping Beauty mm -hmm. ever entailed any of that. Imagine going, let's make a movie about Sleeping Beauty. Let's make a movie where the ostensible protagonist is unconscious for yeah. most of the movie. Now this, readers and listeners, is why there are no readers, sorry, re listeners, unless we have like a caption service that we'll Ooh, hire one day. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun, maybe later on. But um, this is what I remember about this movie. A movie that A, did not get reissued as early early on VHS as some of the other movies, yeah. or our par my parents just didn't buy it. <laughs> what I remembered about this movie is nothing about the princess. No. Because she's mostly asleep. Yeah. And so I had a totally different conception of how this movie unfolded. Now when we watched it, we realized it's actually a lot more engaging. The action makes a lot yeah. more sense. The princess has a lot more content. Like, yeah, and like the time that she's on screen is, mm -hmm. is quality time over quantity It's essentially of time. one big scene, but it really really establishes a lot. Yeah, but that being said, the movie I feel like should have been named like the the fairies. The fairies. They're the ones Saving who are mainly princess. in it. Yeah, that you'll find They're the there. ones who are mainly in it. I think she's right. Or Maleficent as a leader. <laughs> we'll right. get to that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Justine, do you remember much of this movie from as, as a child? Uh, that's a no. That's a big no. So you remembered a lot of them and as with all of the movies that we watch is my favorite thing as I told you last episode, Justine will sing it as if it's embedded <laughs> in her mind mind like you know through repetition I and subconscious know you know training you, but I walked with you once upon a see, dream. there you have it and she doesn't even and that's not even like kid. I feel like I can sing pretty on par with the other Disney princesses like the, the voice actress who did this one truly operatic truly mm -hmm. truly I know you the gleam in your eyes is so familiar 
gleam. Yet I know it's true that visions are so. Mary Costa, mm, right? Mm-hmm. The lady that plays Sleeping Beauty. Yes, you're right that she went on to a, a, a very uh, distinguished vocal career, but the yeah. funny thing is that she was discovered at a party seven years before this movie came out by Disney animators. And the oh, reason wow. is funny. Okay, so her husband was director Frank Tashlin, who went on to do some 50s live action movies, sure. including a movie called The Girl Can't Help It, which is a fun movie um, with Jane Mansfield, Mershka Harbate's oh, mom, yeah. and um, it's got a bunch of rock and rollers. It's a kind of one of those, those rock and roll movies from the, the 50s. Can't help it, girl, can't help it. If you really look, Mershka looks so much like her mom. If you look at old pictures, like well, old, but the only mm-hmm. thing is the different hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like Jane is, is style in a more pinup mm-hmm. style, but like her and Mariska, the same face. Anyway, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, a different exactly. podcast. Hey, sweetheart, I've had a very bad day, okay? So so this lady, Mary Costa, was discovered at a party uh, married to that director, who the funny thing about Frank Tashlin, I mean, a kind of a semi-hack, semi-successful 50s director, but he actually was in animation at both Disney and Warner Brothers mm. in the 40s. <laughs> kept getting fired wow. for having arguments with studio executives well, and stuff. So you know. he never made a big mark on Disney or Warner Brothers. In fact, one of the Warner Brothers animators nicknamed him Hair Today Gone Tomorrow <laughs> because of the whole thing. But the funny thing is Mr. Tashlin's wife eventually got spotted to play Sleeping Beauty by some, I don't know, tipsy Disney writer saying, we've been looking for the voice of Aurora. And she went on to a wonderful career because she's got a great voice. So beautiful. Beautiful voice. Do you think he ever was like, you know, he was trying to make it big in Disney and then like there, his wife. Oh, I'm sure were some interesting conversations at home. I hope he was a nice man to her. I hope so. I hope so because too. her voice is fucking beautiful. But I do believe Mary Costa lived a while and she got the usual, well, we find out these Disney ladies at the very least get a lot of Disney work for their princess, even if there's questions about credit or questions about pay. Well, I mean, they do since Snow White. Anyway. Right, right, exactly. We had the whole thing about that when we went into that. But but it was the start of Mary Costa's career. Yeah, so that's, which is beautiful cool. because yep. her voice needs to be heard, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so absolutely. I'm glad Disney changed his mind about mm-hmm. that. So we want to so talk the movie, about... Yeah, the, the movie opens with the classic book, which I always, as a kid, remember more movies opening up with the book. Yeah. Having watched a bunch, they do there's not a lot. They of haven't it. yet so far. It's There's not been just a princesses. handful. It's, it's it's Pinocchio and it's a couple. I and, always remember every Disney movie opening with a book. Apparently, that's not the case. I agree. And they don't they don't do it in the later princess movies. They don't even no. have the beginning. They no. don't do that at all. So it's actually like three. It's like it's movies you can count on two hands. That yeah. Open the book, which I always wonder. And actually, this is one. It's like they zoom in on the book. Always like a really expensive looking book, and almost like it's actually like filmed, not animated. Yeah, it's and it's bedazzled. I mean, this one is super bedazzled. Oh my gosh, this book would go for so much on the market. It really must make me bring out my bedazzler. We should it really bedazzle makes some books and open them up on camera one. and tell the story. But um, like, I'm done I, I've always wondered today. who uh, who who opens these books. Yeah, because you never see the hand. You never see the hand. It's not Jiminy. It's not Walt. No. Anyway, yeah, Mr. Hand. So it opens up the book it tells the story which in the behind the scenes thing that I saw Ryan was out in the grocery store picking up stuff for us because he's wonderful thank you 
it said that like, okay, well, here's this like five paragraph story that we're going to try to make into a full length feature. Like, ooh, what do we do? We got to add some conflict. So, you know, they add a lot of business with it. So basically it opens with Aurora being born and her christening Mm -hmm. and her dad, who I can't remember, it begins with an S, King S. Good King Stefan. I thought it was like Hubert. No, King Hubert is Philip's dad. Um, They're like best buds. And so like Mm -hmm. Philip is like five to seven. Yeah. And he's already betrothed to Princess Aurora, who is a literal baby. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean. That's why he's raising his eyebrow in the the shot. Five to seven. I can't do math right now. What Um, about it? No, we're only four years apart. But I mean. I mean, the bottom line is if you meet your future wife as an infant, it's, it's a strange image to get out of your head. I'm sure at the end of the day it's like you know generally I would say the best sorry Colin (laughs) did that happen? I probably (gasps) you were Philip and Aurora we are he would fight a Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's great because you guys have so many great childhood friends that have stayed do, in your lives. But and I don't know. Do we? Did we? With the, I mean, with all the folks and with. I the, mean, my first trip to Disney World was. Who were the, who with, were the folks that, that. No, my second trip to Disney World was with Colin's the family. Dude that were the Kennys, were another oh, family. The it was just, it was one of those communities on Long Island. Yeah. Where, where, did the live on Long Island? No. No. When, yeah. So when did you encounter uh, your um, bo- boy toys family when you were young? <laughs> um, yeah, they... Which you would have no memory of. It would be upside sure, down. Sure, I don't remember. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't remember, but I know that our family is very close growing up. So having had a real life example of this, what is your opinion... <laughs> I mean, we're not betrothed. I'm not engaged right. or I anything. mean, well, like like Philip and Aurora, mm-hmm. you did it on your own accord in adulthood. Which is, yeah, we yeah, did. Exactly. Boo, if it's, boo, yeah, exactly. Calamity Jane. Yay! This movie's great strength is that it is gosh darn gorgeous. It's beautiful. It is amazing. Now, this was intentionally woven into the production. Yes. What we do know about the production of this movie is Disney was very hung up on the idea of making it a quote-unquote living illustration. Mm. He really was into, okay, let's make the art really super good. Yeah. And you were even saying this, uh, Justine, it's not even like all of a sudden there's this beautiful background. It's the whole unifying aesthetic of the movie. If, if anything, it's like it's missing during the fight scene, but the fight scene is supposed to be clouded. Right, you, you, you bring but it like through, any but... other background of this scene, you, you just pause it and be like, mm-hmm. "Are you are you kidding me? The stonework mm-hmm. right now? Like, what the hell is going on? And this as is we, amazing." As we do these movies, we, we we really do geek out on the animation. We really like we you know couldn't as a kid because we yeah. weren't disposed to. And that. we talked about that too. Like mm-hmm. I kind of maybe gave this movie a bad rap because mm-hmm. like as a kid, like sitting through it, like yeah, I'm a little bit boring, like. There's no action yet. There's nothing happened. But as an adult, we were all three mm-hmm. of us, because and Ryan's wife, my sister, is here as well. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, Jesus Christ, this mm-hmm. is so beautiful. I think this it, is so beautiful. It plays into the fact, too, that we live in an age now where 2D movies are really more of a thing of the past. Yeah, they and are, so unfortunately. You can really appreciate it on that level as almost like a novelty. It's so um, great. But the beautiful thing about Sleeping Beauty is it's not just that. It's not just the aesthetic. But it was really cool that, like, this whole movie is... It's, like, almost a tribute to the artwork that the animators are mm-hmm. doing in a mm-hmm. studio like this. It's, like, let's really celebrate the fact that we were working in a 2D medium and we can make interesting well, scenes. and they did. That, and, like, mm-hmm. in the documentary on the DVD, they mentioned something about, like, the process and I... I we the were, best thing about these documentaries are always the animators that they include. Yeah. The animators talking about animation. You know, 
the documentaries are, you know, they are what they are, but they always have like your your Andres Deja and your um, mm. um if uh, old clips of the animators who worked on them if they were interviewed for the movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Like they had I, Alice Davis, who is the husband or wife, excuse me, of Mark Davis, mm-hmm. and she was a costume uh, a seamstress, mm. and she actually because this is a, another live action one that they mm-hmm. did that kind of um, black box theater filming mm-hmm. of live action people for like reference. Mm-hmm. And so she made the costume and like the way Mark described it is, you know, he wanted it to be a bell, but still fold, be mm. able to swing. And like, Jesus, if you watch that Once Upon a Dream song and like watch her skirt, like it is beautiful. And like Alice Davis made that costume for the girl who was doing the live action reference film. And Jesus, it, you can tell it looked like a real skirt. And that was her first job with Disney. She went on to do a bunch of stuff, obviously married to Mark Davis as well. Mm-hmm. And then she actually also did the costumes on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Ooh. And if any of you are huge Disney fans, I don't remember the episode number, but the WDW radio podcast interviews her for an episode. And it's the only time they've had to ever bleep an episode because she goes off on some crazy stories and he had to bleep it a couple times for her. But there's a very scandalous incident with the Pirates of the Caribbean ride that I can't quite remember, so I don't want to say it because I won't do it justice. I had all of the the sculptors, all of the machinists, everybody come to see this working. And so everybody that worked on it got a chance to see it the first time it went to work. And when the auctioneer was throwing his arms around and talking and so on, it was was just terrific. Perfect movement. Very smooth. And when he leaned back and said, how much am I bid? This great... Came up through the vest. But go look up WDW Radio with Lou Mangello and find that episode with Alice Davis because it is worth the listen. It's a funny podcast. What I love too that you alluded to is the fact that a lot of animators around this time are getting work in Disneyland and yeah. becoming the original the Imagineers, Imagineers, basically. Oh, and God, like if I was, of... if I had the math brain, if I no seriously, mm. like you know, like geez. Anyway. What I love about Sleeping Beauty, too, is that the other elements of the movie kind of, you know, they, they fall into place with it. But for sure, we were talking and geeking out a lot about just the visuals of mm, it and the, the so idea beautiful. of it being a living illustration, the idea of it being inspired mm-hmm. almost by these medieval tableaus. We were talking about colors, how colors are very pronounced, but not, it's not like this resplendent, sudden burst of, like, scenery. It's like all of the, all of the decor, mm-hmm. the schemes, the scenes that are tinged with green, with Maleficent, a lot yeah. of great. Oh my god, the fact that like, yeah, like, if it's a green tinge, like Sleeping Beauty's like face and skin Mm -hmm. become a different color, like Mm -hmm. the fairies' outfits become a different color, like they really paid attention to like the way light would hit certain Mm -hmm. things and like if it's a colored light would change that. Mm -hmm. Can I just talk about my favorite bit of animation real quick? Please, please. It's probably yours too. In the beginning of the movie, when the quote unquote good fairies are bestowing their gifts to her, the first one gives the gift of beauty and it's like, you follow the wand, sparkles up, and it goes into this like weird cosmic it's like circle. This, yeah, this swirl of swirl like interesting of light color and wash flowers, and, and then and it's very impressionistic. And 
and then you are like flying into like a rose like it's mm-hmm. very like it's very trippy yeah for a better but like for the 50s and for the animation yeah. like you're falling you're falling into a rose mm-hmm. you know it's expanding it's it's a very you talk about like, these movies like Fantasia getting revived in, in the drug era and all I'm saying is, is like you look at this and as far as the color and the inventiveness it's like it's right up that alley it's sure like it really is yeah you're hypnotized and so I just thought that scene and and then it, when it falls back down it's mm-hmm. a beautiful like you can tell like the, the crib is in the forefront of the scene because yes. it's so much more pronounced than the stone in the background but the stone in the background isn't just like a gray flat wall like it's mm-hmm. a, still a textured stone mm-hmm. it's honestly this movie is so gorgeous it's, it's so gorgeous you're so gorgeous it's so well gorgeous. it was what you had said is one of the animators on our documentary said um you pause it at any point yep and you can just sort of sit and admire. And the funny yeah. thing is that during this movie, we did that. We did. A we're of for times. a cocktail. We're for a restroom trip. We're for anything. We paused yeah. it many or, a time. You know, when we came back. To exactly. Honestly, sometimes we stopped it just to talk about how fucking beautiful yeah, this is. Yeah. Because we wanted to talk about it and not miss any part of the movie. Which is a Disney's Follies mm-hmm. first. Like, mm-hmm. to pause. And, st- and normally, yeah. we try to save all of our talking mm-hmm. for the podcast when we record right after. But, like, we had to pause and stop because we just couldn't contain it. It, it. it was. True. It's it's beautiful, guys. And I'll say this as as a, as a segue to another thing we can talk about the movie is that the, mm-hmm. during the production, the beauty of this movie, the, the visual beauty of this movie, and the artistry of this movie was very much a conscious concern on both Walt's part and the animators' parts. This was very much uh, they were trying to make it a visually amazing movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have this little quote here that I'll read because it said that at a certain point, and like we said, this movie took a while to come out. Yeah. Not in terms of even just like the story development, but in terms of the actual making of the film. Mm-hmm. It says, Disney instructed Eric Larson, who took over for the original director who had a heart attack during the production of the movie. Oof. Yeah, he had a heart attack. And so Eric Larson, who directed all of that forest scene, all of uh, that forest scene, he had a uh, single hand on that. And Disney instructed Larson, who had taken over. And the picture was to be, quote unquote, moving illustration. As if it a moving illustration, the ultimate in animation. Wow. Is the other quote. And he said he didn't care how long it would take and so it almost accounted for the delays but Disney was very consciously and this is what I think is interesting about this movie we agree and we'll talk about this almost immediately that the plotting and the characters are great but this movie's animation consciousness even in Bambi or Fantasia it's not just about the pictures no and this is the movie that is most about the pictures so far which is interesting especially because it's not even trying to be realistic like we said it's just trying to be beautiful in certain styles of like you know like medieval animation or like uh, the ultimate in cartoon 2D Disney style animation yeah so so the fairytale book that we just talked about in the beginning was actually made by the guy who was responsible for like the look of this film and it's an actual book and it's sometimes displayed. This guy, we have to talk about this guy because while we were watching Ivand? Ivand Earl? How would I pronounce it? Evand? Evans. It is. E-Y-V-I-N-D. Yeah, it probably is Ivand. Ivand Earl. But um, it's funny because we were mentioning a name of somebody that actually her stamp is all over the movie but she didn't actually touch it. No. Mary Blair. The wonderful 
the wonderful Mary Blair, and it's that style, like I was saying when we were watching it, where it's like, it's not outlined, it's almost like cuts of color on top of color. Yeah. It's I very mean, you, much... I mean, watching a lot of stuff, seeing her stuff, looking at, being on Small World, you can just like, tell, like, this is Mary mm-hmm. Blair inspired. And Walt always loved her style, and mm-hmm. he always saw that it got watered down, like, for her designs for Alice mm-hmm. in Wonderland and whatnot. And I think he really made it a point to be like, no, I want to keep, like, the stylistic point, not just her colorings. This is the one movie in Disney history where we see Disney is really interested in making the point as an animation person. Mm-hmm. He liked the singular style of an artist. And yeah, this Ivan Earl, this is the person that is most responsible for the style of yeah. Sleeping Beauty, for the designs of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And again, a feast. Just no. an absolute I feast. I mean, you remember how much we gushed about Tyrus Wong yeah. wearing Bambi? Bambi. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a different kind, because mm-hmm. like his were more kind of watercolor based and they flowed, which worked for the forest. Yeah. But this background, oh my God, like it makes the movie. Honestly, it yeah. makes the movie. Yeah. It yeah, really, it really does. does. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just fantastic overall. One of the things that I read that I thought was funny is that Disney was like really, you know, sometimes we, we read about Disney and it's like, you really do get the sense of a guy that like knows he's in charge. Sure. And kind of it can go well, to he his was. head in a way. And it's like he was saying, oh, I really want this movie to be like moving illustrations, but Apparently, he also really wanted like realistic humans, and some of the I think animators. They did a pretty decent job. They did a great. I think they did a perfect, a perfect job. I, I mean, said like this word perfect. Like, well, of like uniting the stylized mm-hmm. and the realistic. Well, I think they did a good job in the humans, especially. There's parts of the where you can tell like it's like a little bit cheapy, like mm. Uh, mm. forehead, nose, mouth oh, outline. A couple done. things, yeah. They have to really kind of you know when do it's like widescreened or whatnot. Like right. you can tell, but for the most part, like just think back, think back to Snow White and. How effeminate her Prince Charming, Prince Florian looked. You know, it's a little bit. So to have Prince Philip be as one, like, he's in the movie more than Snow White, or Sleeping Beauty, sorry. He probably has more lines. Uh, Probably the same, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, they're they're actually in it a somewhat Just because she talks a lot to the animals, so maybe it's a little bit. But then he he does silent things after that a little bit. Yeah, but like, first off, he has a name where she's just pretty Mm -hmm. much known Sleeping Beauty. A lot of people don't know that her name is Aurora. Aurora. Yeah. He has a lot of a personality and, like, is a decently drawn fella. You hear that, Samson? He is. Yeah, in fact, this is the moment we'll give Prince Philip his due. What I was most surprised about is the fact that this prince has a personality that is very much an antecedent to princes like Eric... Flynn. Or Prince is like, yeah, exactly. Well, even He's more not so. a yeah, prince, exactly. but, but, but he, I mean, like, he reminded me a lot of Flynn Rider. He has, and I mean, it's true. I mean, Cinderella's prince had his moments of he did. Like he, yeah. personality, but this is really a prince that's a person. Yeah. It's a prince that's a person. He has a horse. His Honestly, name's Samson, a like, horse with a personality yeah. too. So it is very much a Flynn Rider-y kind of thing in that sense. This prince, even though he's held back from the action because of the amazing economy of this story, yeah, you like this prince. Mm-hmm. You're drawn to this prince. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a landmark moment. He truly is a Prince Charming. He is. He's a key prince. I know you. I walked with you once upon a dream. And we'll talk about when we talk about parks, but mm-hmm. like you never get to meet the princes. Sometimes it's a testament to how they were written or designed. But, but I feel like, I mean, if you go to like a couple places and we'll talk to this at Entangled and Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. you can go and meet Prince Eric and um, Flynn Rider or Eugene at a breakfast outside of the boardwalk outside of Epcot at mm-hmm. Hollywood Studio or whatever. You can't meet him in the parks. You can't mm-hmm. meet Flynn in the parks unless it's like a really special event. Like I would like, again, Aurora's never been my favorite. She has changed that. 
back since after seeing this movie officially. I would I would kill to meet Prince Philip. First off, his cape is dope AF. Yeah, dope cape. Dope. Red, I red hat, dope red feather, and then like tan outfit. Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad that you can't meet. I, I, I get that the princesses are like, oh. But, like, I'm sad that you can't meet more of the, their princes with them. Does yeah. That make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Actually, what you're making me think of, too, is the fact that, okay, so think after Prince Eric. You got your beast Aladdin. who's a beast. You've got Aladdin, who is sexy and a street rat. Hell yeah. You've got the Lion King, who's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's like. Well, okay, I don't Prince, know count like. Prince. This is what I'm uh, oh, no, Prince Naveen is cute, too, for Princess and the Frog. Oh, sure. But, I mean, that was a deliberate throwback. Prince Eric is yeah. technically the last epaulet wearing. Royalty beholden, classic style prince. And Wait, Prince Eric. Is that true? No, Prince. Oh, well, because well, you're saying Naveen is a quote unquote throwback. But Naveen is a, an actual prince. He is an actual prince. Also, not only is he a throwback, he's a he's a funny frog through most of his movies. Sure, but when he's a prince, he has the weird shoulder pads. I'm talking about these these sort of these very oh, normal looking men mm-hmm. who adhere to this whole thing that are introduced well, in that way and are these these subjects for these, what's almost feministic. Is, is these these women are it's these love objects for these women yeah I mean, the I mean Eric is the last actual true born prince and minus Naveen the thing about Sleeping Beauty because of its relative failure critically and commercially relative failure even though it grossed so much dollar bills y'all it did it was a lot of dollar bills I would take today for sure oh my god um, yes please although if I had already spent more than that on an animated movie I suppose I'd be upset about yeah. it for 30 years there's no prince between Philip and, and Eric and huh. and Philip is fun. Philip is fun. He's he's a he's a guy. He's a real person. I, I hon- he's a real boy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I honestly would meet him over Peter Pan in the parks mm-hmm. a thousand percent because Peter Pan is a wasteful adult man that is a man child yeah, boy a and I effing hate him. Mm, well, it's okay because he died of an overdose in the late sixties. Whereas Prince Philip is like is actually the kind of like if you're a young woman you're like okay Prince I might Philip like is this Beto person. O'Rourke. There you have it. There you have it. He'll get he'll get real with you about gun violence and all that stuff. He'll, he'll say the f- word. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But it's so interesting, yeah, that, that Prince that Prince Philip is actually a well-done model of a prince. And they're, like, they're over there, we can't animate men for whatever right, reason. Right, right. They're over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just thought, I feel like he's, this is the first time I've seen this movie, in from like front to end, mm-hmm. or beginning to end, mm-hmm. rather. I always thought like, it's weird that Prince Philip is more developed than your main character, but like, honestly, he's not. She's yeah. she's a beautiful I'll take issue with that. This is my, my surprise just now. No, it's just, but like, he is I always thought like really your prince is better than your princess like what the I hell is this movie I literally thought this well let me tell you Justine I literally thought this movie was like Lord of the Rings where it's like it's all about Merryweather and Flora and Fauna on like this long journey yeah what's amazing about this movie okay so this is great guys so they have all the exposition and then she grows up for 16 years because mm-hmm. Amy, you guys all know this Maleficent sets a curse well and, and they that. show it for like they show it by book passing so you don't have to like watch mm-hmm. the 16 years right, which is right. nice but I mean like she's there and then it gets okay so guys it's like 55 minutes into the movie, a majority of the movie, yeah. before the key thing happens. Yeah. I thought this girl was asleep the whole movie. No. She's not. And what's great, and we talked about Aurora, Aurora is great too. She really is. Oh dear. Why do they still treat me like a child? Ooh. I'm Flora and Fauna and Meriwether. They never want me to meet anyone. 
know something? I fooled them. I have met someone. say goodbye, he takes me in his arms, and then I wake up. Better than, well, you, you had this whole riff about how she was better than, go ahead, the, the how Aurora is like, it's like, this is actual content to her as a princess. Yeah, I, I just, oh, well, what I loved about Aurora, first off, was the voice actress who plays her. They consciously made someone, like you said, we met at a party, like, had a mat- more mature voice. So like it's her, not this her voice is girlish Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. and, and but even pre Marilyn Monroe because Snow White was in like the thirties. Like oh, true. if anything, this is peak Monroe time mm-hmm. when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Sleeping Beauty's voice is naturally a little bit lower, but that she can hit those high, beautiful, beautiful operatic notes. Oh my God! Like honestly, the best Disney voice. They um, don't explore it much in the movie, but she's got this independence streak. You can see. Yeah, you can. In flashes. But she, you know, she go like she lives with the fairies who are protecting her, who she thinks of just as like her mortal like ants that found her or whatever. She goes and like feeds the animals barefoot in the forest. Like my sister and I were just like, what am I gonna do this? I just wanna walk in the forest and be barefoot and play with animals and and sing beautifully. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god and that hair and that outfit. Oh my god, I'm totally it's, trying it's to find a Disney bound like her. That's a beautiful outfit. It's beautiful. kind of an awesome aspect oh, of the Oh and she thinks too, her name that. is Rose? Or yeah, Briar Rose, which is used in the movie, which is an awesome. Yeah, I think that's awesome too. Least. What I love too about this movie is the fact that one of the key plot points is that the prince and the princess aren't supposed to marry anybody other than themselves, and they find each other randomly <laughs> in the know, woods and have great so chemistry. Cute. And that beautiful song. What's really awesome about this movie, and I guarantee you, nobody even at Disney appreciated how well they did this at the time, is that you get all the exposition and character development you really need for them in that one long ass scene with the beautiful trees and the beautiful thing and you've got them meeting each other and it's fun because this is a great side plot point where it's just like oh they're not supposed to meet each other but they do meet each other and then they're like they're great independent style characters if this were a modern movie you'd have an extra 30 minutes but what I love is that this movie suggests it you never doubt it at the end of the day Um, what do you think of the dress? well it's a It's not exactly the way it is in the book, is it? Oh, I improved it. But perhaps if I added a few more ruffles, uh, what do you think? Mm -hmm. I think so. What do you think, Meriwether? I think we've had enough of this nonsense. I think we ought to think of Rose and what she'll think of this mess. I still think what I thought before. I'm going to get those ones. Who is your favorite fairy? Mm. Justine is asking this question because what we do remember about this movie, what we did remember this movie back when we assumed it was boring, and paced 
badly when in fact it's paced like fucking scientists yeah. made it is that we remember this movie I remember this movie as a battle between three good fairies and one bad fairy yeah same and the thing that holds from that in a good way is that Maleficent and the three fairies are great characters oh my god they're great characters who's my favorite fairy well let's talk about the fairies okay so we got Meriwether and Sister Blue she's a little bit of the dowdier fairy with the black hair mm-hmm. you mean live like mortals for 16 years? Uh-huh. But, but now, now we, we don't know how. And then Fauna and Flora. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now to make a lovely dress fit the grace of fair princess. Eggs, flower, maybe? Just do it like it says here in the book. I'll put on the candles. I think Fauna is like the one who wants to bake the cake in green. Well, and right. Flora is like yeah, quote unquote the main of... fairy. So most it? of the conflict is between Flana or Flana. Flana. <laughs> That's Flana. Their, the people that ship them call them Flana. Right, right. Hey. <laughs> Flora. That's fine. Yeah. Um, Flora Fauna and, Fauna. and Meriwether is most of the conflict. Oh, that's so right. the green fairy is kind of just like neutral. Which is a great dynamic. And what I love too is like even from a color perspective, it's like this reminds me of Three Caballeros. We have the red, oh, green, yeah. and blue. It's a great kind of, but it's also a great personality dynamic. And um, you have, let's just real quick shout out the great Verna Felton, mm. who's been with us through all the, you know, the asshole elephant and the queen of hearts yeah. and the beautiful fairy godmother that basically is the godmother of all these fairies. Uh-huh. The lead is Verna Felton doing great work. And then Meriwether, who has a great dynamic with the lead. The the Meriwether is uh, Barbara Luddy who mm. played Lady mm-hmm. in the last movie. Which I didn't even like connect. Mm-hmm. They but don't sound the same of, at they all. They don't and, but it, they do sound the same but they're different characters because Lady's got her dignity and Meriwether is supposed to be this kind of funnier fairy that's like she's ornery and she comes at things a little differently and so they have this great dynamic. So did we say who our favorite was? That's yeah. my favorite fairy. Oh, Meriwether's my favorite fairy. Now, you take care of the cake while I clean the room, dear, and I'll make the dress. Now hurry. Come on, bucket, mop, broom. Flora says clean up the room. And she's fun, and she's one of the great parts of this movie. Oh my god! I mean, not to say I don't like Flora and Fauna. I do like the cake one. Which Fauna, is the yeah, one. Fauna's great in that she kind of fills in the action. She's like the Larry to the Moan the Curly. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, if I have to rank them, it's it's Meriwether, Fauna, and then Flora. Flora Flora's there to drive the action, and Fauna is like pleasant right, but and funny. Yeah, yeah. And that and Fauna will shout out was Barbara Jo but Allen, I, yeah. who she was a radio star, and she had this character mm-hmm. called Vera Vague. Merryweather deal. Oh, Mrs. Vague, another powder? Absolutely, and if you took one now and then, you wouldn't have the sniffles. This is strawberry flavor. I'm sick and tired of the raspberry. Who did like these like mock PTA meeting readings? She was like this mock housewife type, and she has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Hell yeah, I want Joe one. Allen. So it was a, it's a great team of actors. And no, they're all three... great, and it was. I thought it was very comforting that like the main one mm-hmm. was the voice of the fairy godmother because her voice is so distinctive. It felt yeah. it felt comforting. Verna Felton has that great. Uh, she can ground because she's got that gravitas as yeah. well as the comedy because she's always been very funny in these mm-hmm. days. 
Disney mm-hmm. movies. But, you know, it, what I love is both that the three fairies are not as much of the movie as I thought, but at the same no. time, they do drive, unify, occupy the mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the animators wanted all the fairies to look alike, but Walt was like, I don't know about that. So they, he made them change it so they looked a little That's different. That's a smart but, call on like, Walt's part. The, to having them all be the same, I think would have been a little bit weird. I like that they were it like would've. slightly different. They all so. have personalities and they yeah. all register and that's, so just that a was quick a good, little thing about the fairies. Well, that's, that's one of those things that you forget that Walt started out, you know, as an animator. So he's got <laughs> right? a real sense right? yeah. of I mean, how honestly, to do these like, things. Because that was now a good he's not really animator anymore. He's, mm-hmm. he's theme park. He's freaking empresario. He's, yeah. yeah. But with the great uh, counterpoint and even more subtly depicted in the movie, um, uh, economically depicted in the movie, is Maleficent. Oof. Well, quite a glittering assemblage, King Stephen. Royalty, nobility, the gentry, and... Oh, how quaint. Even the rabble. Who... I'm going to start out by saying just the design of this character. Those fucking horns, man. The design awesome. of this character is so creative and so iconic. Mm-hmm. And so this this design almost lives beyond the movie. Who do you think is more iconic? Evil Queen in Snow White or Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty? It's similar in the weird headgear, but it's obviously Maleficent. It's obviously Mil- Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those horns are like iconic. You know, there's a reason Angelina Jolie is Yeah, this her. is the reason they funded this movie, you know, with Angelina you know, Jolie. Which I haven't thing. I haven't seen of you. It's like, oh no, I haven't yeah, seen. I yeah. wish we could talk about it, guys. I am not afraid. Then come out. Then you'll be afraid. Uh, I don't. I don't have I any. Have well, I never had any desire to, but now Angelina that I've seen Jolie. Sleeping Beauty as an adult and mm-hmm. full, maybe I would. But also, yeah, same. Like Angelina Jolie, like can go. Like you don't really need to. Te- yeah, she, hashtag Team Jen. We are not going to let it be a problem. She's a strange one. And that may be another vanity project on her part. <laughs> but it's just like, that movie serves, it's like, it's supposed to give you this whole other dimension of it and it's cool, but when you watch Sleeping Beauty, you're like, well, Maleficent plays her part. Here's the thing. Maleficent, as I was telling you during the movie, reminds me a lot of later villains like Scar. Oh, yeah. Where it's one of the, this is another thing. It's one of the first times in a Disney movie where you see the villain having fun being a villain. Yeah. And having some dimension being mm-hmm. a villain. Because I think... Like, like Evil Queen did it out of necessity mm-hmm. in in and her mind and all that yeah well in her mind mm-hmm. the same with the evil stepmother and sisters they were very spiteful they weren't mm-hmm. doing oh the, the evil, evil stepmother might have been pure cold well, energy and it's the and same voice and she might have it been, is the same voice she might have enjoyed it but once she saw like at least and they didn't do this in this in this Disney one but at least in the story like once she finds out that it's Cinderella that the prince has an eye her eye on her tune changes and like yeah oh. Would be like, which I feel like you could see happening in the in the Disney one if yes. they went that way. Yes, I'm trying to think of other antagonists that we've. Seen. Scene. Well, these are great. These are great, really, because those are her two ancestors, or the, the okay, evil stepmother. Okay, we're just saying princess movies, and yeah, and the other sure. evil stepmother, and it's like no, she's always this the kind most. Of character, but yeah, this she's the most evil for sure. I mean, she's not a stepmother. She's got totally different. She's basically what I love about. Well, actually, one of the things I love about True, this movie is the fact that it's like a lot first, of this movie. That's is, the first one. It's not like a family. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, interesting. I just thought about it. Now. Oh, and it's wow. like the whole movie is. It's like there's a lot about magic in this movie. You know, the yeah. very fact 
that the fairies put aside their magic for 16 years through pure <laughs> restraint. And then the battles are between good magic and dark magic. Even at the beginning of the movie, Maleficent comes in and is like, hey, by the way, I've got such dark magic that I can predict that your daughter will die in 16 years. But also, like, I have such dark magic, like, bitches, why didn't you invite me? Right. I well, know well, I'm that's not, true. And, like, the whole reason is, like, oh, I know I wasn't invited. Maybe we so should I'm send her an invitation you. so Just, she like, doesn't curse send, our daughter. You know, like, you know, honestly, like, if it makes the rest of the, the year yeah. life You know better, her outfit's going to be on point. Bring her the damn ball. On point. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, well, that's um, right. On two points, yeah. Invite her to the fucking event. And then it's just one night instead of, like, 16 years of dread. It's true. Because what I love about it is interesting about this movie is the fairies are like, oh, shit. Well, we have good magic. How do we strategically prevent the black magic over or, or a period of over a decade? Yeah, over yeah. The, the, the bad magic from turning into a situation. I don't and know, so man. It's like, it's an interesting thing about the dynamic between, like, magics. This movie is just very unconventional. It really is. Which is so wonderful. And, and unconventional in a way where they put it together in a way that really, it's like, even with, like, the two the two kings mm-hmm. that then have oh their God. son and daughter. This and is that, like, that fucking minstrel, man. Oh, and the minstrel. Stole the show. Yes. Scrumps, scumps, a toast to the home. One grander by far than a palace in Rome. Uh, let me fill up your glass. <laughs> that glass was all foam. Scumps, scumps, scumps. <laughs> because it's all this comic gags about the minstrels finding way to oh my God. surreptitiously siphon alcohol from the two drunk Which, kings. Let's, let's be real. We, I mean, Ryan and I, for sure. I'm speaking for Ryan. We all relate. Well, we sure. all relate. We all relate. We, all we would relate. do. It. We would quick pour that one. I'd totally the be heck of making a banjo right now. I, I might be. What I love about the scenes there, <laughs> because these kings are put to sleep magically out of plot necessity, mm-hmm. but a third, two thirds of the way through the movie. What I love is that how many scenes do we remember with the Duke and the King and Cinderella? Mm-hmm. Look, I love Cinderella. It's uh, probably the highest rated movie that we have I so lo- far. But I like that they did the same dynamic. In the drawing. same dynamic, but even shorter in one scene. Yeah. Like it's the same thing with this whole thing where it's like the prince and the uh, and Aurora meet in the forest, and that's really all you get of the prince, even when they meet at the end. It's not no, like I'm talk. just saying like the dynamic of like the king right. and the No, tall. it recalls it recalls the Duke and the King and the Cinder- yeah. and Cinderella, but it's even more economical. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Honestly, guys, like answer. seriously, just like pause this and then like restart us again from the beginning and mm-hmm. watch this and mm-hmm. watch the movie and then listen to us because like it's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. Beautiful. It's I, don't, really I almost beautiful. feel, I almost don't want to recount it just because mm-hmm. like I want right. you guys to watch it for how fucking beautiful it is. What I also thought was cute. So in the behind the scenes or in the, you know, uh, making of short mm-hmm. the actress who voiced Sleeping Beauty said like so the the drawing for Sleeping Beauty was a combination of the voice actress and the woman who did the live action kind of black box things with her and so when both of them I think had a crush on the, gu- the guy who voiced Prince Philip who was a pop <sighs> singer at the time yeah they said something like oh yeah all the girls had a school girl crush on him which I just think is such a cute phrase good morning little school girl and Which means like, oh, it's not gonna go anywhere. But just a little, just a little. I mean, press. this dude wasn't Sinatra or even no. Eddie Fisher, but no. he, yeah, he was. A... But I mean, more attractive than Eddie Fisher. Oh my papa. 
was a cute. He was a cute. He's a cute little. He's a cute little. Good voice. Great little voice. Great voice. Unfortunately, passed away in um, a relatively early age. Oh, that's right. He passed away the year that Little Mermaid came out. Yeah. So uh, he was in his sixties, and it was due to lung cancer. So please don't smoke. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you By know. now you should know. According to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Yeah, just... That scene know. in the first episode I just of feel like in an episode of... um coughing. With, or in a podcast with like a, you know, a crutch. Not a crutch, but a, with a uh, an extra thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like, don't make smoking be your thing because you yeah, don't want to drink. Guys. Like, yeah. Things are more fun. Get cirrhosis with us. Don't get the lung cancer. It's fine. <laughs> it'll, it'll take longer. No, but even but then, be safe. Be safe. Just be safe. And we just... talked about this in episode 10. Come on, guys. Didn't just you like, listen to us? Don't hurt your lungs. Mm-hmm. And here's a special PSA from your friendly co-host, me. Some of this content was recorded prior to something you may have heard about in the news, a terrible, tragic national pandemic. So lung health is extra important, and probably some of you have been leaning a little bit too hard on the uh, liquid stuff as well. So we are just saying stay safe, be safe, be healthy, live your life. It's all too short, but you can make it longer. All right, we love you. Back to the episode. Anyway. You need to breathe. It's better. Yeah, you really do. And if you have asthma, especially. I'm trying to think if there's any other... Uh, and then there's the beautiful fight scene with um, oh my gosh. And, the, and Maleficent. Well, you know, the, the element of the green... I mean, we're, we're pausing in this movie in, in comical scenes and going, man, look at the detail work on that brick. Mm-hmm. And look at the detail work on this. But um, there's a great motif of green because Maleficent possesses this sort of green firepower. Yeah. Which is very novel. And in that scene where she's luring Sleeping Beauty in the initial thing, it's it's cast oh, in God. green or skin tone is green and that like Sleeping Beauty is just like hypnotized hypnotized it's, it's eerie and wonderful really but yeah this is. last fight scene well choreographed oh my god and Disney's fire has always been more stylized than their water but it's still gorgeous and inventive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's this dragon this dragon you all remember and it's this style where it's very kind of, and, and shortly before Maleficent is summoning all the powers of hell or whatever it is <laughs> it gets dark she actually uses the word hell now shall you deal with me, O oh Prince, and all the powers of hell! And then she the does. dragon. I think the first Disney movie to use the word hell. Not only not... that, but oh, when the dragon no. gets stabbed, the dragon has blood. Oh, do what? they bring it? In, do they bring it up in Pinocchio? Maybe, or maybe one of those war movies or some. Maybe, stuff. but like I mean, we've we've definitely veered from like Disney princesses praying. Like that's no longer it's a thing. It's true. It's true. Now it's just pure now it's just satanic pure, rampage. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Well, and that fire dancing scene. Mm-hmm. Oh my holy gosh! With all the little demons. Which if I you want to talk about. about like that's when he first said when we were watching it, like holy crap like this is like scar because it felt like the hyena scene because it's all the green fire even scarier she's just sitting there watching weird anthropomorphic pig people type things and Ah, they're all like soldiers and of course she has an army of crows Of course, and crows, crows have crows. come up before. Oh, wow. Disney Wally. has stigmatized crows forever, even though we know that they remember faces and have mean, you know, cause. <laughs> and it's... Okay. I'm just glad they went I've away never from had, the... like, a positive altercation with a crow. I've never been like, oh, me I and mean, that crow really got along. I've never had an altercation. Well, that's... <laughs> 
sweet time but, if I I mean, Ryan is weird. He might have had one. <laughs> I promise you, no crows were hurt in the making of this life. No, I know uh, Ryan's were hurt either. So, no, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. No, my scars have healed as far as I go. But yeah, no, another another use of a silent crow as a... And this was a, this is a very Disney thing. These these yeah. ice queen, gorgeous women in weird costumes with crows. With black and That are purple. trying to subvert me, with black their, and purple. Their uh, I'm just glad nieces. that Maleficent didn't have green eyes. That her eyes were kind of like yellow, like Oh, honest. right. Because your green eyes are smiling. Yeah. And love. that's just like, I just, you know. Just that's that stigma. I'm not going to get a good green eyed character, I feel like, until Rapunzel. So, you know. There you have it. Green eyes. You're the Well, I want to bring that up real quick. You know, Mitchell Rapunzel. Um, so you all growing up, oh, Justine yeah. is in a family of its four sisters, and she's one of the four sisters, the oldest, yes. in fact. And yes. um, they identify with they're the Disney princess. kids, and they and they pick their princesses. And I mean, my wife, as as you guys may have picked up, is is a redhead, and mm-hmm. happened to identify with Ariel. Mm-hmm. Now, as I understand it, Amy, the youngest, mm-hmm. her princess was Sleeping Beauty until no. Tangled came out. No, no. Tell me what it was. No, her and Corey both. Fought about Belle. Oh, wow. Um, so Amy had to wait. And then, when, well, and Amy has long hair. Mm-hmm. Nobody's and, blonde. No, no, she's not blonde, but Amy has the longest hair, and she's probably the feistiest, which when we yes. watch Tangled, the most you'll see. Yeah, it was just hard because, like, there's so many brunette princesses, and, like, it's hard, though, because, mm-hmm. like, again, I identify with Snow White because I, she's the oldest, yada, yada, mm-hmm. she's the short black hair. With the nice curly hair, yeah. The, you know, the, the pale skin. However, my favorite, no. And I think for a while Belle was Amy's favorite and then then when Tangled came out she was like oh no like alright this because you know it, 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 it was easier for Aaron and I because yeah. then there was also a big break there was like mm-hmm. Little Mermaid Beauty and the Beast and like I don't think there was another around princess. the time of the Lion King yeah they went away there wasn't from, another there was princess Pocahontas movie until Mulan, like and that was different I think sort until of thing. I this might be wrong but like was there anything between Beauty and the Beast and Princess and the Frog no unless you count Pocahontas and Mulan who were Oh. I mean, different situations because uh, they were not princesses in the classic sense. They were not sure. royalty. Yeah, and I, obviously, it wasn't I do count them. Either, I apologize. I mean, they are they are uh, you know uh, the beautiful women who lead Disney movies who are. Spirit. But like, I just don't like Mulan isn't technically a princess. Right, that's the thing. Neither Pocahontas. No, no, no or Pocahontas Mulan. Like, technically she is. is technically a princess. But totally like Mulan different. isn't mm-hmm. because her and like her her fella they're yeah, not. Mulan marries. Well, older. but she doesn't at the end of the movie. Like she doesn't do anything in that in the movie. Oh, he they just, don't even get married? No, he just comes over for tea at the end. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it is. So, he like, she's... I mean, together. I f***ing love Mulan, yeah, but she's not a princess. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought Pocahontas was but earlier. But still, it's... Right. Um, so... What else? So I have a few trivia things to run down that couldn't fit oh, into other things. So, Aaron's gonna hate this one. Princess Aurora's body shape was inspired by Audrey Hepburn. Won't you join me? We're talking Surprised three. it wasn't... Uh, what's her name? Vera Allen? What's your name? Sorry, Duchess, we got you in a clutch. You better beat it. So long. Good day. Help! Help! 
Ireland. What? Uh, White Christmas Girl, the famous wasp waist. I mean, I mean this lady. Adrian, yeah, it's Audrey a Hepburn size. was not a heifer. That's true. No, that's true. Audrey Hepburn, too. Um, but yeah, this, yeah, Aurora did not eat enough. No. So, in the Italian version of this fairy tale, Sleeping Beauty is named enough. Aurora. And in the German version, she's named Briar Rose. So, that was a clever way to kind of like name both of them. Like, she's yeah. Briar Rose when she was a peasant living with the three um, mm-hmm. fairies, quote unquote, and then Aurora when she you was a princess. Um, the whole gag of the pink and blue was actually an argument between the filmmakers. Oh, no, not pink. Make it blue. Merry with her. Make it pink. Make it blue. Really? Because they couldn't decide, and so they decided to put that. You guys seen this? You remember this whole bit, and it has that beautiful ending where Meriwether and and Flora are fighting over the color. Yeah, pink, blue, pink, blue, and they're Mm -hmm. blasting each other with it. So really? Yeah, that's what it says on IMDb. So I just thought that was cute. What's funny is because when she's in that blue dress at the end, it does remind me of Cinderella, but it's a different design and princess. Uh I feel like both the pink and the blue have an equal iconic. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard because like I do think the blue looks nicer with like the blonde hair and her blue mm. eyes mm. but yeah it is very Cinderella like but I feel like the pink the pink one is what she meets people in when she's in yeah. Disney World so I feel like the pink one is usually what she wears I think they both that, look great and iconic but and, I think that's yeah. because maybe Cinderella's is blue mm-hmm. but I mean I do like both of them but I do think when I think of Aurora I think of pink yeah Get this party started. yeah right because that's the one she has an exclusive claim to apparently there's a hidden Mickey in this film um I'm is not going to tell you where. You guys can kind of find it. <gasps> I didn't find it. I didn't find it. So you guys got to watch find it again. It. I loved that this movie, like, minus the Once Upon a Dream, that, like, it was scored by, like, Tarkovsky. That's all that, yeah, we got to say. That. Yeah, so, yeah, besides that song, Once Upon a Dream, like you said, this movie is unique in Disney movies in that the score was actually based on an excellent classical piece because Tchaikovsky did write a ballet mm-hmm. based on Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. in 1890 or so. And you can tell when you're watching it. Too, like the yeah, the melodies have a real special and like um, the cadences are very they reach in that classical way where it's like these very kind of ambitious melodic leaps and it's yeah. very beautiful. No, and I think that fit a lot better. Like we were watching the documentary and they had these like songs that they recorded that were very like very stylized fifties uh-huh. and that, that wouldn't have worked with how with the way this movie was mm-hmm. set up. Well, and as we learned in the last one, this was their first one, but that they're like longtime orchestral guy doing. The score, oh, yeah. So they actually yeah. had to kind of reach. But I, yeah, no, it, 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 you you hear it when you actually listen to the music. You're like, oh, this is actually pretty good music. It's, it's fucking Tchaikovsky. Yeah, right. So Prince Philip was actually named after the current queen's husband, Prince Philip. Oh, he's still alive. Yeah, they're both still alive. They just recently took his driver's license away. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Honestly, okay, like, I'm going to do a quick side note. Like, I'm, I love my parents dearly, but I was taught by a couple of New Yorkers how to drive, and, like, we don't know how to fucking drive. Say no more. Um, I honestly think I should have to retake my driver's test every 20 years. Why not? And not just me, everyone. Why not? I think everyone should have to do that every oh, yeah. 20 years. I also think there's other things that need to be licensed, but that's neither here nor there. Um, that does not relate. But just the driver's license thing, because like sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. I hate driving. I hate driving. And if my, oh no, my faculties aren't great. Like still get an ID, but like, oh, I can't drive. I'm an old lady. Like, okay. 
which I cannot, I cannot wait for that excuse. Let's be real. I cannot. <laughs> so, um, I just think that people should like, it's a big hunkin' chunk of machinery. It is. Hey, back in the 14th century. That's my favorite oh, yeah. line in this movie. That's my favorite line too. Yeah. It is the 14th century. Yeah. They didn't have to drive, so it was perfectly fine. But anyway. I haven't said it is what I noticed the whole Sorcerer's Apprentice homage when they animate the brooms oh, in the cottage yes, scene. Yes. That's the one thing so that I took great. a note of. Yep, 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 yep. So they're thinking okay. of their history. So um, this was a heavy restoration project. Like It, it was very detailed. Like oh. They had to scan the original negatives into a oh. computer and that was followed by then rotoscoping to extract the principal characters and dusting them and then oh. cleaning up the backgrounds. Very extensive. But also like I feel like the initial animation process was also very extensive like we've talked about too. Mm -hmm. Walt Disney's constant mantra to his animators was that this film could not be like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I don't think it was. Interesting. I don't, uh, for being a princess movie and set in the forest in Europe, they're very different Do you think that was why he really wanted to be different is because of the similarities? No, I think he wanted it to be different because he wanted to show that he could do a different story. Okay. I don't think, I think that having your main character live off in isolation in a forest can lead itself to its own way. That's right. Where like, Sleeping Beauty had pleasant experiences in the forest with her animal friend. Snow White did not. She had a terrifying experience. Yeah, Yeah, it was a drag. So maybe it's some of that. Um, At the end, when Philip and Aurora are dancing in the clouds, apparently that was an idea that had been in Walt's head for a while, and it was finally used in Don't they have Sleeping Beauty. In Snow no. White and Cinderella, some sort they of like t- cloud. They toyed with it, but the actual dancing on clouds doesn't ah, happen. So they suggested it, but now this then, time so, they But actually... then it's also referenced in a couple of up, you know, upcoming ones in Beauty and the Beast and Infants and the Frog, apparently. So nice. We're looking Very forward nice. to those. Obviously, in Disneyland, the main castle is Sleeping Beauty's castle, which if you grew up going to World like I did and my family, Sleeping Beauty's castle, underwhelming is not the right word, just like, it's a lot smaller when you walk down Main Street. It's a lot smaller. So Muti Castle is also... That forest perspective is, you can tell these Dang, days. yeah. So Muti <laughs> Castle is in three. So I uh, I can't remember which Asian park it's in. I feel like it's Hong Kong. No. Is it Tokyo? It might be Tokyo Disney. I but I know for talk. sure... Ryan's going to look it up and double check mm-hmm. for me because I'm slacking right now. It was um, But I know for sure it's in the Paris one because the Paris location, there's a basement area where you can walk down underneath Sleeping Beauty's castle and it's like Maleficent as a dragon is sleeping under there mm-hmm. and will like blow fire or like, you know, whatnot Sometime. at you that looks, it looks beautiful and sorry to ruin the surprise for people who haven't been to I haven't been to fucking Disneyland Paris I've watched or it. Hong Kong it's Hong Kong no Disneyland Paris okay thank you yeah so Hong Kong is the one, one with Sleeping Beauty's castle Disneyland Paris is the one with the dragon underneath it mm. and then a, and a balcony that you can walk to up for the second level so you can like look out onto Fantasyland it looks like a beautiful castle I hope I get to go to Disneyland Paris one day oh you will um and then I'll, there's no rides that I can think of but Melissa Maleficent is probably the bigger character that's shown in the parks more mm. than Sleeping Beauty. You can meet Sleeping Beauty in Epcot. You can meet Sleeping Beauty at, um, you Do know. Do they have a Maleficent walking around? No, but they have. Why per- don't they? Well, well, okay, well, here. Yeah. They kind of do because they have a parade. The Festival of Fantasy Parade has that steampunk dragon that shoots oh, out fire. That's the dragon. Towards the that end of it. The, the dragon fire. that caught fire. But now it's fine. 
But like that, that's fucking Maleficent. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. in the parade at Disney World every single day. Nice. Also, I think that she's prevalent during the Halloween or like villain events that they've just added to like get more money out of you now. I did not see her at the... That's Mi- cosplay, you know, villain. Yeah, for sure. I did not see her at the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween, but I think that they've that's added a new... That's why it wasn't new- so scary. <laughs> they've added a new event where it's like the Disney villains after hours and she might be there. I'm not 100% nice. sure. You can, I think, you can meet her for dinner at Akashira's house, which honestly I've been to in Norway, and like, I'm so sorry, my Norwegian listeners, and apparently I'm a little bit Norwegian, Scandinavian as well, but like, I hope that's not a real representation of your food. Our server from Norway was a dream. She was a fucking dream. She was beautiful and amazing and attentive and funny and a great, great waitress. The food we're not used to, and the princess meeting was kind of lackluster. Yeah. I've been to a couple other princess meals or character meals, and they're always awkward there with a bunch of adults. It's awkward to be like, oh, hi, I'm meeting Princess Aurora. Yeah. I'm 21 years old. Sure, that's weird. I mean, maybe to try it. Like, I liked the, the raw bar because they did have, like, some salmon and, like, stuff like that out because it's very, like, Scandinavian, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of fresh, uncooked fish, which was, you know, in good in moderation, but the, the actual entrees were, in my opinion, a little lackluster. Mm-hmm. I apologize, Norm. Norway. I think you're... You know you, I'm a you, quarter Norwegian, right? I'm more Norwegian I, than anything. I apologize. No, I, I accept a quarter of your apology. I want to visit your country. I miss <laughs> Maelstrom like no tomorrow. Oh, yeah. We're all disappointed about Maelstrom. But, um, yeah, I, I do not... Re- if you're going to do a princess meal, I recommend other princess meals. But if you're going to meet... Sleeping Beauty specifically, just go go hang out in France. You know, find out her time. Go yeah. grab, go to the little patisserie that I can't pronounce the H A L L E S. I cannot pronounce. I got Halle. I don't know. Go get whatever you want there because everything is effing delicious there. Yeah. If it's a cooler day, I recommend a half a baguette and a lobster bisque. Damn right. If it's breakfast time, I well, okay, I'll recommend it. it. It's my favorite meal, so I don't want to recommend it because sometimes it's sold out before I get there. But it's like don't do it just seeing gets there. But go ahead. (laughs) The ham and cheese roll. It's called like the um, R O U L E a lard. So it's like roll of lard, pretty much because it's like big. Bacon, cheese, and butter, nice. and bread butter. rolled up yeah, where it looks say. like a, uh, a cinnamon roll, and it's fucking delicious. Yeah. I usually get that and a good glass of sh- glass, a good glass of champagne. Yeah, glass. Um, and that's my breakfast when I go there mm-hmm. because it's open at nine a.m. My sisters have had some of the sandwiches oh, there. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. pota- the the pastries are fucking delicious. Mm-hmm. So go get one of those and then go wait in line and meet Aurora there. And it's underneath the mm-hmm. shade, kind of like behind France, like in a little gazebo area. Mm-hmm. So if, if you really want to meet Aurora, we've met before. I recommend eating the French food, grabbing a line, even though you have to wait mm-hmm. outside in the heat. So you'll meet a nice person while you wait. <laughs> yeah, I met I met I met another Justine and yeah. I love her to death. Justine. Hi Justine. Um bonjour. bonjour. I recommend meeting her there over sitting down the restaurant. You can also meet her at Cinderella's Royal Table in Magic Kingdom, but I've never been there. Interesting. I've heard the food is kind of lackluster and yeah. that like that you really just go there for eating in Cinderella's castle. Sure, sure. So this movie that, as you've heard, uh, we liked... Oh, the cocktail! 
So this is the one that we were talking about. That I was kind of dreading, like doing it for the gram. Oh my god, I was. The gra- doing it for the gram did not turn out the way it should. She sends appear. me these recipes, and it was all this like capitalized TM liqueur. Where I'm like, oh, this will suck because it's gonna taste like a college kid. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, kids, didn't. No, so it's called the Sleeping Beauty cocktail because yes, it it's, it's supposed to transition from blue to pink. Mm-hmm. Um. I does followed, make you a little I followed the instructions. Sleepy. We did it three or four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not drink all of them. Some of them were Well, poured. you'll see from our Instagram shot, which, of course, all of you cross-reference. Mm-hmm. You know, so. we almost got it. Oh, we almost got it. And I followed the way... It, but if you really want to know, look what it's supposed to look like, go to Tipsy Bartender. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically uh, three ounces of yeah. hypnotic and then hypnotic. two ounces of kinky, kinky, two ounces of vodka. That's right, guys. And then um, two, one ounce of Sprite. So liqueurs. you're supposed to pour the and Sprite. Well, to like I don't know. I mean, like, it works, but I'm just saying. So you do the blue. If you want to first. know what's supposed to look like, take a Trix yogurt, that one flavor, oh, and put yeah. it in the glass, and mm-hmm. then you've got it. Or check out Tipsy Bartender. So hip- and not, then we layered yeah. it over the spoon. It's supposed to like be like a layered drink, but they're yeah. very hard to make. Not something I would order. No. I'm glad we got small bottles of all of these things to try. Yeah. Not as fruity and obnoxious as I thought it was gonna be. I am. Ended up drinking a lot, and, and it is it tasted tasty. beautiful. And I, I just it. and the pink and blue bit is just mm-hmm. an iconic bit. Justine, what what are we rating it at again? I think like spinning needles. That's spinning right. Wheels? Poisoned, destined to kill you at age sixteen. Mm. Spinning mm-hmm. wheel. Spinning wheel, got to go round. Needles. Find your home spinning wheel needle. Yeah. And listen to us here. Stick yourself. Stick it. Um, Somebody will kiss you and wake you up. Yeah. Hopefully. Consensually. I'm going to preface this by saying, mm. we've already said, I had you, the, oh, you always preface it by saying. We I always had the, preface it by saying. I had the lowest yes. expectations for this film, honestly. Mm-hmm. I apologize to mm-hmm. the people who I said, why do you like this movie too in the past? Because I give it four and a half spinning needles <gasps> out of five. Justine, this is a magic moment. And the only reason I don't give it the point five is like for the weird like backstory yeah. of the rape, which they didn't do in the Disney movie, which is fair. Sure. But also the weird, like, oh, yeah, we just met. Haha, I'm in the Talk forest. It, uh, yeah. And He's the fact that, like, yeah, like, it's, but it's fucking gorgeous. It is gorgeous. So, four and a half. Justine? Yes. I would also give it four and a half. Spinning the third, if not zeroth time that we've actually, like, yeah, read yeah. on a raid day. <laughs> really? But I agree with you. I went and I was like, okay, I'm gonna sleep through this one. And at the end of the day, guys, this movie rocks. Yeah. This I movie almost, has that I, special... I legit almost gave it five. Literally, every time we've watched, like, a serious Disney princess movie, you can see the effort that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember right now what I've given a five to. I'm gonna We gave that five right to here. Cinderella. Yeah, I think I gave five to the other two princess movies, so I feel bad. Well, because Snow White but honestly, like, the only reason for this one not getting the full point five mm-hmm. is I wish they would have fleshed out Aurora as a character more because, yeah. like, she is a pretty feisty, good character when she's on screen. Mm-hmm. I loved all the, I loved all the fairy shit. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was a little bit more of the actual princess in it because she's I finally the you. first, like, well, not the first. Like, I like Cinderella. She's very cheeky. 
But I just wish that Aurora, because she's so mature in her voice, I yeah. wish that she was a little bit more mature in some of her actions and not so naive. I just wish she had a little extra oomph. That's that. Four and a half all around. We love it. We Yay! love Sleeping Beauty. And hey, thank you guys for sticking around for another fun episode of Disney's Follies. Now we get into a really interesting new era of Disney movies as we come up and we're very yeah, excited we about the next um, one. Check out our website. Thank Please you do. to the act that lets us put um, a bunch of Mm-hmm. clips into our podcast mm-hmm. so we really appreciate you guys sticking with us yeah, thank because you so it's much. been so fun watching this and like honestly like even if it's just Ryan and I listening to this at the end mm-hmm. of the day we mm-hmm. have fun doing it it's been so much fun doing Disney's Follies so much fun being a part of Disney's Follies and the bottom line is we've got so many more great Disney movies to get through yes. with you and I can't to react to as for real people the next episode. it's I gonna be wait. great it's gonna be great so thank you so much yes. tune in next time thank for 101 you. Dalmatians Woo! we love you and uh what is it now see you real soon <laughs>